0: Romans one, one through seven, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David, David, according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. We are in the book of Romans, and if you don't have one of these, we have these on the tables coming in. Um, it's a journal uh, version, the illuminated version of, uh, illustrated version, I guess, of the book of Romans. So that's our gift to you guys. And I was, we did this um, through the book of Colossians, and I was like, I don't know, these things are kind of expensive. And and then um, one dear sister uh, called and said, hey, I left, I left my my book in a pew, and so I searched all over, couldn't find it. And then found it in a Bible, in in one of the Pew Bibles, and looked through it, just flipped it open, and every sermon was so beautifully outlined. And just just as a pastor, there's probably not a better moment uh, to see all of the sermons just so beautifully outlined in that. And so I'm not saying you have to do that, but if you find this valuable, we have those as a gift. If we run out today, we'll have more uh, on the way. So um, good morning. Welcome to King. Cross, I'm Pastor Orion, and it's a great joy to be with you guys as the new year begins and to um, to jump into this new series. And I'm excited about this series for so many reasons. Um, it's a series that like I've just longed to engage, um, not because like. I'm a pastor and the book of Romans is a big deal. Like not because um, like theologically robust churches should really love and preach through the book of Romans or it, because it's some sort of pathway to church growth or movement or something. Not, not for any of those reasons am I excited today to engage this book. Um, I've longed to engage this letter with you Because I believe that this is a transformational book, because it has the power to change lives. I'm not pitting Romans against the rest of Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed and valuable and worthy for teaching, um, for edification, for, for, for rebuking us and challenging us. Like, all of Scripture has that. But Romans, I just want you to hear this. Like, Romans has the potential to be such a transforming work in our lives. So you might ask, Pastor, what should I expect? What can I expect This message is really a preview of that. But but I want to say like, through this season, God may go beyond your expectations. He may go far beyond your expectations. And I don't think that I'm overstating that. I don't think that I'm overstating that because throughout Christianity, this book has repeatedly changed the world. It has repeatedly changed the world through changing people. Throughout history, that has been the mark of Christianity. The book of Romans repeatedly changes the world by changing people. Let me just name a few of those people. Martin Luther was a German monk, and he had been taught that he must live righteously to be saved by God. He'd been taught that. As he grew up he learned to hate God for first requiring of him what he could not do and then for leaving him alone to fail. Luther read one day Romans 1:17, where it says in the gospel the righteousness of God revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. And he said, I labored diligently and anxiously as to how to understand Paul's words. The expression of the righteousness of God blocked the way. Because I took it to mean that righteousness, whereby God is righteous and deals righteously in punishing the unrighteous. And I was an impeccable monk and I stood before God as a sinner. Therefore, I did not love a righteous and angry God, but rather I hated and murmured against him. But then I grasped that the righteousness of God is that righteousness by which through grace and sheer mercy, God justifies us by faith. Thereupon, I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through open doors into paradise. I broke through and as I had formerly hated the expression, the righteousness of God, I now began to regard it as my dearest and most comforting word. The personal breakthrough that Luther had wasn't just terminating on himself, but it led to the gospel recovery of the entire country of Germany and spread throughout all Europe to to initiate and to push forward the Protestant Reformation of which we would not have our faith today if it wasn't for that. Another man changed by Romans was a theologian named John Calvin. He spoke of his experience in Romans as the entrance into the most hidden treasure of scripture. In Calvin's essay of the theme of Romans, he makes the point that while Romans has many outstanding virtues, there's one virtue in particular that Calvin believed must be appreciated by all Christians. He said, if we have gained an understanding of this epistle, we have an open door to the most profound treasures of Scripture. According to Calvin, this book that we are opening today If we grasp the main point that we are justified by faith in Jesus, if we are justified by faith, then we will be able to navigate our way through the whole Old Testament and throughout the New Testament from cover to cover. That was Calvin's understanding of the Gospel, and the Gospel message at the center of justification by faith can be found in Romans, chapter 1, verse 16, if you look down. For I am not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed by faith, from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Another man named John Stott, who was an English pastor and a theologian, had a great impact on the modern church. You may not know him, but like his work has impacted the church and evangelism in the modern era. He wrote of his love-hate relationship with Romans because of its joyful and painful personal challenges. It was Paul's devastating exposure, he said, of the universal human sin and guilt in chapters 1 through 3 that rescued me from that kind of superficial evangelism that is preoccupied with the felt needs of people. It reshaped Stott's entire ministry, the way that he thought about God, the way that he thought about evangelism, the way that he thought about the church. And much of the church today and local ministry is impacted by the many and many, many, many volumes of his work. And for me, none more than the cross of Christ that he wrote. In fact, all three of these men wrote commentaries on the book of Romans because they felt they had to. They had to transform by it. And finally, not that I should be mentioned with these men of faith, but like for me, I should mention that, that in my own life, this book has been the most transformational. It was in the middle of the night after attending a Wednesday night church service, encountering the presence of God for the first time that I opened this book. And encountered face to face my own sin as I worked through the first few chapters in God's righteousness. I saw my desperate need for something outside of myself. Something outside of myself. And my world changed when I learned that Jesus was the good new savior that I needed. My life changed. My heart transformed. My eternity was purchased. My identity was renewed. I was given a true purpose in life. And like all these other people throughout time, I experienced something similar, finding a breakthrough. A breakthrough of faith in God's Gospel in Romans. And you might too. You might too for it's the power of God for salvation, for those who believe in him. And so today we're going to look at the first 7 verses. We're going to look at 3 things. We're going to look at the man, Paul who wrote this letter. We're going to look at like him who he is, what he says about himself as he begins writing this letter. We're going to look at the message, the message of the gospel. What's the message? What is the gospel itself? What's this letter about? And the mission. It is the mission. What is the purpose of this letter as it's revealed to us? We're going to look at those 3 simple things in the first 7 verses. Let's pray. And we'll jump in. Lord, we open this book this morning. And we sit the book on our laps and we listen and we look down and we look up and then we look down at the verse again and we repeat this over and over again. As expositional learners and, and hearers of God's word, this is our practice over and over. And Lord, I pray As we do that, we would catch new, fresh glimpses of you. As often, Lord, as our thoughts would wander off, that you would recapture our attention and that you would capture our hearts and our affections and our thoughts. Lord, we're we're desperately in need of that this morning, and and, and this is what we're trusting in. Not on hearing a unique spin on things, not on being pushed with pithy phrases or well-timed pauses. Would you break in, God? Would you reach what is lost in us? Would you make us all completely found, completely adopted, completely new identities in Christ Jesus this morning? Lord, you help me to share only what pleases you. And may we all receive your word with delight And all God's people said, amen. Chapter one, verse one. Paul, a servant... Of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. Now Paul was the best Pharisee which means he's the most elite kind of Jew that there is. Like he's the most um, smartest. He's the most devout. He, he studied at the best school and listen, like he didn't even have to apply to the best school. The best school sought him out and said, come learn with us. Let us teach you. He was the most religious and the most devout type of Jew. He knew most, if not the entire Hebrew scriptures, You imagine that. He was completely in step with all of the rules and the customs of of, of Hebrew life and culture and religion. He was complete, he was the authority on what good, upright righteousness looked like in his community. And to couple with that, he didn't do, do it just sort of dodgingly, he did it zealously. He was zealous to practice. This this type of faith that he had, This, this form of religion, and he did so with such zealousness that it caused him to persecute Christians and to stand over approval of their death and their martyrdom. Like, this is who is writing this letter. And at the point where Paul's counting on his own works, at the point where Paul's counting on all of his righteousness and all of his good deeds and all of his tithes and offerings and all stuff he's doing for God, like Jesus comes in and he interrupts the lie that Paul is living. Jesus comes in, Paul, Paul wasn't at the end of his road and needed something to grasp onto. Jesus came in and interrupted what he was doing and he saved Paul. That's what happened. That's what happened to me. And that's what happened to you. If you believe in Christ, Jesus came into the midst of your lie and he saved you. The life that he was living, that was self-made religion, that he was building up for himself. Jesus came in and he interrupted that and he opened Paul's spiritual eyes, even as the presence of Christ blinded his physical eyes. And Paul says, this man, Paul says in this letter, as he starts to write, I'm the servant. I'm the servant of Christ Jesus. Doulos. It means slave, that word in Greek. I, I, I'm the slave. I, now you have to see that this man has changed. That, that people don't just change like this for no reason, but he's changed. He was that man. Now he is this servant of Christ. He's the opposite now of this zealous religious Pharisee. He's the complete opposite. Before Jesus, his religion was aimed to elevate himself at the expense of others, and now his confession is that he's lowered himself to serve others. He's, he's, we see all kinds of people throughout Paul's ministry. They're like wild and full of demons. Man, they have so many issues. And, and throughout Paul's ministry, they all come up to him and, 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 and have all these issues for Paul to heal or sort out and stuff. And he, and, and, and he could easily be like, man, I don't know. But he says, I had so many issues myself. Thank God it didn't stop Jesus from saving me. I'm the servant of Christ. People treated Paul so badly throughout his ministry. I don't know, like if you, if you like read through Acts and you've if you've seen in his letters how poorly he's treated. He's beaten. I mean, he is stoned. He is thrown in jail. He's accused unfairly. He's faced the worst of humanity. Paul has. He was shipwrecked. He's like like he has faced the worst from people, and it would be really easy for him to say, you know what, like gosh, why do people treat me so badly? Like forget you. That's not what he does. Paul, this guy writing this letter, he's like, listen, I treated Jesus so bad and his people so bad. Thank God he kept loving me. Thank God he came and rescued me despite my sin. I'm The servant of Christ. I'm the servant. This is a man who's encountered the gospel of Jesus and has been transformed by it. This is a man so profoundly changed by grace that his spirit has been completely washed and set free to be generous and humble and to greet his new friends, the Romans, as Christ's servant. This is who Paul is. He says that I'm called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. And he writes because he's a servant of Christ, but he's also writing because he's an apostle. That, that he's somebody who's witnessed the resurrected Jesus and, and Jesus has called him to be a sent one and to go and establish churches and to strengthen churches. That's part of his mission. That's what he is supposed to do through his religious devotion before he knew Jesus, he was trying to distinguish himself through his talent, his personal ability, his smartness and his righteousness. He was trying to distinguish himself as great. But, but, But here, as he begins this letter, what we see is that he's no longer trying to distinguish himself as great. He actually just wants to be known as, as someone who's about the gospel. That people would see him coming down the street in the market, they'd be like, hey, there's Paul. He's the guy that always talks about Jesus. He's the guy that's always sharing that news. I think he might have known Jesus or something. Like, that's what Paul wants people to know about him. That, 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 that he had this former life that had a purpose. Like, you know, you look around the world in the ancient day and people are born and through some experiences, maybe they seek education and they choose an occupation and then they have a family and then they, they do whatever they think looks like pursuit of wealth and happiness. Paul's like, listen, I've left the pursuit of worldly things behind and I'm set apart for the gospel. Whatever that means, I'm set apart for the gospel. I'm separated from worldly things. Galatians 2.20 where he writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the man who wrote this letter. Somebody who's been set apart, who's been saved from, from, from what looked like righteousness, but was honestly just gross darkness. He's inspired by the spirit of God as he writes it. He's not just Paul and his thoughts, that God, God's spirit actually causes Paul to write God's words down to this church in Rome and to us who receive it as well. The letter was probably written about Paul's third missionary journey, and so it's one of the later letters, so all the theology is is well um, um, developed in the later stages of Paul's life and his humility and, and, and things that have come with wisdom and age are present. And he hadn't met these Christians yet, just like the book of Colossians, there's a lot of crossover there. He hasn't met them yet. So this is the man that writes the letter, all right? Verse 1, We're, we did verse 1 together, only 432 verses to go. Verse 2, which, we, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son. This is the message of the gospel. He promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God. And power, according to the Spirit of Holiness, by by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So this is this is the message that Paul is writing to them about. He's writing to them, and he, the message of the gospel isn't just something he's coming up with. In verse two, he's talking about this. This is promised. This was a promised thing. So he's like, I'm not standing on my own knowledge and revelation. Like I, I I was in the woods one day and this all came to me. You guys should buy into it. He's like, no, like I'm, I'm standing on the promises beforehand by the prophets throughout the entire old Testament, that there would be a descendant from David's line. According to the flesh, there would be, there would be this person who was coming and he, he reveals that like, Hey, the gospel is being fulfilled fulfilled right now in this day by Jesus who died and rose again and it's God did all this out in the open God's been saying and saying and he's been showing and he's been showing and he's been moving and moving and everything all this has been done out in the open the son's redemptive work he could have pointed them to Genesis where Jesus was the word of God and the fulfillment of the promise God gave to Adam and Eve to give them a son who would crush the head of the serpent, or in Exodus where Jesus is the Passover lamb, or in Leviticus where he's the holy place where his people meet with God in his very presence, or in in Numbers where he's our ever present guide and the pillar of cloud, or in Deuteronomy, where he was the prophet coming that who would be the greater the true and better Moses or in Joshua where he's the angel of the Lord leading God's people to the promised land by winning the battle and vanquishing the enemies of God or in Esther where a faithful advocate in the throne room has risked life and limb to save ours. We're in Psalms where the promise is that he would be the one whose hands and feet would be pierced, whose garments would be divided up and gambled by the soldiers or in Isaiah or Daniel or Hosea or Jonah, we could go on and on. Or the book of Micah, where the everlasting ruler is born in Bethlehem. Or in Zechariah, the king who comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. The son who was pierced, whom one day every son would bow to in over 300 more prophecies in the Old Testament that point to the time and the place and the character and the ministry of the Messiah, Jesus. And Paul saying, I stand on those promises and I declare to you today from the promises beforehand through his prophets, the Holy Scripture concerning his son. Concerning his son. He doesn't stand on his own. Verse 3, he says, Who has descended from David according to the flesh promise that, that a descendant of David's would, would be the one who comes to, to rule and take up this kingship and to rule God's eternal kingdom forever, like this, this promise that was going to be had. And so Paul's saying that this gospel message about Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all this. Like we, we actually get to see the direct lineage in the book of Matthew. Like, we get to see from Solomon to, 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 to Jesus, his direct lineage laid out for us. I, I think that the gene- genealogy is super important here. Like, it's, it's really important. But but equally to this, like as we look at this this little group of passages here about the message of the gospel and and its lineage and all that God is unfolding, it's equally important for us to, to look at how Paul describes it and how he begins to describe it, we cannot miss. The gospel message is not just about content. The gospel message, it's more than just that. He said, it's concerning his son. The the gospel message is not just content that you need to get right to be a Christian. It's more than just that. It's a person that you have to get with. It's it's not just content that we have to master. We need to get the gospel right. The gospel is a person. It's the son of God. It's Jesus Christ. Like we can't miss that that's how Paul delivers the gospel. It's not just like, here's all the rules. Here's all the doctrines. Here's all the theology. Here's how we practice it. This is the gospel. He introduces to you first the person of Jesus, the person the, the relationship uh, that, that, that actually saves. So if you're thinking this morning, as you begin the new year, you're thinking like, hey, my, I feel like my faith is weaker than I want it to be. I don't have faith anymore. It feels pretty fragile. I don't, I don't know what I believe. the possible this morning before you that he's not trying to get to, to, to sort out what you believe. He's introducing you Pursuit faith should be us pursuing person of Jesus to stop wandering away from his presence and to pursue the per- words are his words are the presence of Christ's followers. Like that's my proposition. You mentioned you to want is a one to the if faith. If you desire to be strengthened this year, that I, I want to propose to you through Paul's words that you should wander back to the person of Christ. Not just like all the doctrines, I got that right, and like all the rules, and you know, this is how Christians live. Like, move towards the person of Jesus, acknowledge Him, be thankful for what He's done, Worship. Experience. experience His. Presence. That's. It's not just a set of rules and doctrines to matter and live by. Just rescued you, Paul. From and Paul's like, you gotta know the guy I met. You gotta know this guy I met. This is the good news about this guy that I met concerning his son. And he came and he was declaring to the spirit of holiness by him from the dead. Came in the flesh, prophecies. He lived in the flesh. Of God, his death pays the debt of all those who believe in him. It is... From the dead, declares victory over sin and death, and it's in action, his promises, pr- prom- prophecies are for Jesus. There was a really liberal, cynical journalist that um, in his life, he just like wanted to prove um, the iddy of like Christians and the audacity for Christians to believe he made it his goal to the resurrection, he, he, he approached it like a science, like a historian, and he worked and worked, and at the end of his journey, he concluded what so many others have concluded, that there's no stories about Christ could have been stuff of legends. He said that only a predisposed evidence leads. The evidence for the resurrection is more solid than historical facts. Lee Strobel, A Case of Christ. The gospel died for you. It's, it's that preach a gospel that ends with God and Christ. You're a sinner. Don't finish it. Boy, sin and Satan and death. Gospel In the resurrection this morning, for us to just get here at the beginning of, he's like the gospel, it's that he triumphed over all his enemies and he destroyed, he destroyed it. It's in the direction those G from the dead has been decided in you as the spirit of holiness. Holiness means to be set apart for God. We believe in Christ. It's not just that, our, but the very life of resurrection life, and it doesn't do it to make us a lot part to be alive. faced. Great to a letter encompassing all of this gospel message. It's the message that Paul wants us to know. And it's not just it's about the and the God. Perfect. Killed for your sin pay, payment. Risen. Lord Jesus Christ. He is that message. Verse five is the mission, the reason that he's writing to these people received Jesus and apostles to bring about the sake of his name among all the nations who belong to Christ. To all those in row love you in peace throughout our, father, throughout our father. Now the book of Acts in chapter 18 says in Rome, the Jews were expelled by Claudius. They were kicked out. If you're a Jew and you, you were in, in, the this church had been planted in Rome and it was full of Gentiles, which are not Greek people and people from all over the world, right? Like in Rome, this is a very church and, and, and leave Italy. All the Jews leave this church in five years religions and stuff. And they just tried to figure out how to do church, three books or conferences to get to. They do, they just had to figure it out. After all the Jews come back and all the Jews that were in church in Rome come back and they're like, what did y'all do? Everything's changed. You know, like, why don't you do this and do that, that? And like, so you could like this is, he's sending this lighting into this context where there's this different kinds of like conflict in writing it into it is to bring this church to the faith, to your church. That's what he's writing for. That's the purpose. Gospel power to unify churches. The only thing that has the power to truly unify churches and to unleash gospel ministry in the we're actually hoping, praying for here. We preach through and as we preach gospel and as we, as we, as we of this spirit, that there would be a unification and an unleashing of gospel ministry. And he also wrote his gospel mission. That like he wrote it, wrote it so that their ministry to grow, but also to create a launch pad of ministry throughout this area to plant churches. magically planted in this place, right? You, you guys get is able to move forward as unites and clarifies. And the gospel, the way that we should, are the mission we, we live by is what he was writing into. That's his mission. Is our exhaust grow and experience that sort of unity amongst one another, their ministry towards one another, and more lives as the deeper and deeper root. Paul, the message of the gospel we're praying for. Why Romans? It's one of the greatest um, theological book, but it's also practically help us, and it, it's practically helpful. This is all kinds of neat. If you're somebody with a lot of in in, e, in in Christianity, and the like, it dispels a lot of that. I mean, like, like you're just, I just, like, I just, I don't know, man. Flat towards my faith, like I'm just not super in the dumps about it. I'm not super. You just sort of like and this. This ignites hearts. Ooh. And it's, it's for study it and find answers, to questions that have historically I don't know. Like, like, I just want you to know, like, like, as people have done that answers to it's, it's literally flipped their lives and, and, and the world upside down. Ask yourself the question. Like so many other Christians throughout, and through, broken through into the freedom and the. Not for eternity, but but in this life. The Christians broke through, in the release that the gospel brings us. You don't know Jesus of the gospel, or you? Then I want you to pray with pray with me, Father. Through the ages, the gospel has been a stumbling block to all who've gone by themselves, and it's been an island. The weak. And for the weary, Lord, in both cases, Jesus is the, Lord, I pray that you would reveal to the beauty of the name of Jesus, that that we would, that we would delight in what you've done for us. Lord, may you unite us in the gospel. Lord, would you ignite gospel ministry here? And enable greater ambassadors and ministers wherever we are. Lord, I pray that today that we would end our journey to that we take refuge by it, that we'd be changed like Paul from ruler to our Lord would we common common guilt, but only by grace through faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.